Welcome back, House of Cards fans. This is our review for the first episode of House of Cards Season 2, called Chapter 14. Apologies for some of the coughing I do in this podcast. I was fighting off a cold. Anyway, Tyler and I are happy to be back with each other and you guys for this House of Cards podcast. Don't forget, you can find us on Facebook and iTunes. All right, let's jump in. Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to this House of Cards podcast, an unofficial Woo! podcast about the Netflix hit show House of Cards. I'm your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host, Chris Husted. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, Tyler. How's it going, man? What's going on, man? Cheers. Cheers to a new season. A wonderful new season. Cheers. We're finally here again. I love it. It took so long, but I'm boy, am I glad it's back. <laughs> um, what are you drinking this evening? <laughs> Uh, I got a glass of uh, Cabernet. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a stone smoked vanilla porter, frosty Ooh. like uh, Frank and Claire's, in you know emotions around uh, emotions their enemies. Yeah. yeah, their outlook <laughs> on life. Um, I am thrilled to be talking about this with you again. Uh, before we really dive into everything, uh, we want to remind everybody that you can send us questions and stuff like that for us to discuss on um, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thishouseofcardspodcast. And of course, after you listen to this episode, go rate us and review us and let us know what you think on uh, iTunes. So, before we begin, uh, let's talk a little bit about how the trajectory for this season is going to kind of go. Now, you got right. super excited and went ahead and blew through all 12 episodes, 13? 13 or 12 episodes already. 12 episodes, I think, right? I no, this is episode... It's 13. It's 13 episodes. So you already right. blew through all 13 episodes. I, on the yeah, other hand, am, was able to control myself and be more tempered <laughs> about it. So we're offering uh, different perspectives here. So what will happen is you'll hear a lot of me hypothesizing what I think is going to happen. And Chris more providing questions. But he's not going to provide any spoilers or else I'm going to drive no, all the I way won't. out to where he lives 13 hours from here and punch him <laughs> in the balls. I would never. So. <laughs> yeah, I won't do that. You better not. You'll, you'll hear. <laughs> you better you're not. Gonna, I won't. But you're gonna hear me go like <laughs> a lot because I'll be so excited to talk about it. But and you're gonna con- anyway. And you're gonna control yourself till we get there. But it'll be fun. I can't wait. Absolutely. And I'm excited. To, I'll go ahead and dive into it right now. Right. So before we even begin, I want to talk about. There's almost a message in the episode title itself all these episode titles we start at chapter 14 obviously we'll remember that um the first 13 episodes were chapters 1 through 13 significance here obviously is we're continuing so right. this is kind of what i wanted to bring up thematically from the beginning of this episode it felt like a i mean a very smooth continuation transition from next season it didn't feel like a whole new chapter in a, or a whole new you know open book I think and I don't think it was supposed to feel that way I think it was supposed to feel like an immediate continuation from where we left off right exactly and uh, I think you know I actually rewatched episode 13 of season 1 before I watched the first episode of this season and um, so what do you think how it so how how do we end in 13 again and where do we pick up in 14 so 13, the last one is when Frank kind of finally gets to his position where he kind of has a back and forth with Frank Tusk, finally manipulates everybody into the final position where he gets offered the VP job. He acts all surprised, but he also isn't under 
uh, Tusk's thumb. He says that he will be partners and allies, but he isn't going to be his, um, you know, crony, essentially, or, or slave. Right, right. No puppet master there. Exactly. And so um, I think this is an interesting point that we made last season in our final episode. And what was brought up by um, one of our uh, – Angela on our Facebook page as well is that when last season ended, I think we said it – the season finale felt not as significant as it should have. It didn't feel like a season finale. It felt like the penultimate episode, the episode before the season finale. Which I think right. is so apt because, and I mean, and she even said this too, but I felt the same way. This episode to me felt like it was the season finale of last season, almost. Holy you know? shit, did it. That's how it kind of felt like to me. I mean, obviously we have all sorts of new stuff going on, but we had all sorts of big dramatic things happening here that... Um, I mean, should we should we get the one big dramatic thing out in the open right now and then we can go back and talk about it when it happens in the, in this, in the episode? Of course, we'll let I the mean, air out of the bag. I mean, we can't keep it in Twitter and Facebook were blowing up all weekend about this. Yep, let it out, let it out. Let it breathe. Zoe's dead, Zoe's dead. Holy shit, Zoe's dead. Holy shit. Frank murdered Zoe. Frank murdered her. He threw her in front of the subway. That's and two bodies. Out. That's two bodies yeah. on him now that we know of. Yeah. That we know of. Right, right. It, it, okay, so two things about this is one, um, I had read and I have not watched the the original UK version, but um, in the season finale, the journalist does die, and of, I was of season one, do that with Zoe of season right, of one, season yes. one, right? So when Zoe didn't die, I was like, okay, they like her character, they're gonna stick around with her, but nope, they were saving it for the big bam in uh, the premiere of the second season. So whoo. Caught me well, by surprise, I mean, even though I knew it might happen. Yeah, well, I mean, but I mean, I didn't anticipate it though, because I mean, you're thinking the top build right. actors in the cast here. Kate Mara's up there. I mean, she's a <laughs> number three build. Yeah, she's number three build. This it's kind of so, like I, mean, um, I would say it's kind of like uh, when uh, Walking Dead takes out one of their main characters. Except the only difference being we don't have the vast ensemble that a show like that has. I mean, we're pretty limited in characters already. Very good point. Very good. And point. so we don't. We're, we're working with less. So it's. I feel like it's weightier yeah. here when we lose a character. You know, and I think that's what made right. it so dramatic. But you're right. I do want to get to that. We have a lot to talk about before then. Um, right. Let's few different storylines. So, like we said before, we open right back up on on their on their jog, which is I think why it felt such a smooth transition. Is like they leave on the jog at the end of season one. They're still on the jog at the beginning here. No time has passed. I mean, he hasn't even gotten back to the house yet to meet up with Stamper and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, it was very uh, symbolic. I really loved the shot as far as we're talking about directing goes of them like in the dark, <sighs> slowly running toward the camera and getting into focus and like being exhausted when they got there. Uh, to me, it kind of totally. symbolized the journey they took through season one to get to this position where Frank is getting the vice presidency now. I mean, right. how did you feel about that? About the opening Yeah, absolutely. Scene? Yeah, they're, I mean, they're running together, and, uh, you know, it's it's quiet. It looks like it was uh, just an, a regular day, what they normally do. So it totally picked up like it was no big deal. Yeah. Um, I do want to... Um, and we immediately jump... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say the director of this film, if we're going to talk about some of that stuff, is Carl Franklin. 
So is, now is he that. one that we saw? Uh, Do we see him much last season? Yes, he he directed um, the tenth chapter ten and chapter eleven. He also has directed the newsroom, Homeland, um, episodes of those shows. So. Interesting though. It, what, okay, so refresh my memory. Was it chapter eleven or chapter twelve of season one that we see Russo die off? I think it, I. It was I don't chap- remember. I'm pretty sure it was chapter. I think it was chapter eleven because I think chapter twelve was them discovering it and recovering, and that's okay. the episode that he talks right uh, the guy into going back and being It's I think it's I think eleven. Right. It's it's one of the episodes that guy does. So it's interesting that he does the other episode in which we have a main character get murdered. Good, very very good point. Oh, I can't wait to talk about that scene. Oh my god. <laughs> well, you're gonna have to hold up for a few seconds because we're gonna talk about some of the kind of peripheral stories first before we go into the mm-hmm. real meat of the Frank meat. <laughs> um, I want to start Ew. with. I know that sounds gross. I apologize. I want to talk about Claire. And I want to talk about Claire and her relationship with uh, Jillian Cole, right? So refresh right. everyone's Frankie. memory where we refresh everyone's memory where we left this at the end of season one. So they had a big falling out and there was a lawsuit. Um, Jillian was pregnant and I was she was leaving uh, what's it called? water, clean water? It's about clean water. I'm not sure. The, I don't remember the exact name of the organization. Right. But, yeah. but anyway, so, yeah, she was leaving and uh, was suing her for, uh, was it mistreatment of, uh, because she was pregnant? That's what she was suing her for, but I don't believe that's actually the reason she was fired. I think that they had, like, differences of, they had some differences of ideas about how to allocate money, remember, and that kind of thing. I think that's why right. um, she was fired. But she just wanted to give a good, you know, she wanted to stick stick it to the charity because she felt like, you know, it was a big charity that uh, right. saps all Jillian the money was a little charities. Right. Jillian was a little more altruistic, clearly, than Claris. <laughs> well, Claris just more cutthroat. She's a politician like her husband, right? Absolutely. So we kind of jump immediately back into the fray here. And Claire and her lawyer are debating about how to handle Jillian. And Claire wants to Claire wants to go to battle. And immediately yeah, from Claire's the beginning like, Let's get a trial, let's go. And I mean we saw a little bit, you know, the sensitive side of Claire, you know, we, we saw a lot of different versions of her last season and I mean Robin Wright obviously was fantastic. Phenomenal. But, yeah. But she starts off this season immediately with the armor on, not only the armor on, but the sword out. I mean she's ready to go to war from the start here. And she, we see her, she plays dirty. Wow, she's right up there with Frank on some of some of the stuff she says. Right, so she's looking at doctors in East Africa, and I could I immediately I like <laughs> in my head I was connecting the dots about like why is she doing that, and then I and then I thought oh that's right we don't remember Jillian trying to find baby daddy. Yeah, she she was being very coy about who the actual father was and stuff like that, and we just know it was a doctor. So she contacts the wife. Of the doctor that knocked up Jillian, and had, the wife goes and confronts her. I yeah. mean, that in was in front of Jillian's apartment. Yeah, what a hell of a scene, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, so uncomfortable. Yeah. That I mean, and so what do you think is Robin? Or sorry, Robin Wright. What do you think is Claire's end game here? Um, it's. So watching this sequence is just her trying to figure... For me, I was just thinking she's trying to figure a way out to not lose. Claire doesn't want to lose. But also, knowing Claire, there's an end game with this maneuver. It's not just because she's a cutthroat person. She's also very 
strategic and manipulative to get to whatever her goal will be. At this point, I didn't really know what it was going to be. I thought, truthfully, it was just going to be maybe let's let's scare her off and handle this situation before it. I, just because she, I think she know she knew she had the upper hand, so she just wanted to play this so she could get rid of Jillian. Yeah. Well, but, and we see her. Yeah, Bud is exactly right because last I think <laughs> in the season finale of last season we see her go to Jillian's apartment and like try to reach out to her and like try to settle mm-hmm. things in person, and Jillian won't have it. Well, after this, she is in the power position because Jillian comes to visit her. Not mm-hmm. just because of the husband thing, though. Also because her insurance stipend is canceled from yep. when she or from when she was terminated. Her severance, her package, severance package. Yeah, yeah. And she was so, supposed to have a whole year. And Claire forged her signature to cancel the insurance, of course. Yeah, that that's messed up. I mean, that's like really just... Uh, okay, well, I mean, she tops it off with... Claire tops it off with this line. <clears throat> I wrote it down too. <laughs> I'm willing to let your child wither and die inside of you if that's what's required. Am I really the enemy you want to make? Wow. That was the perhaps most wow. cold-hearted. That may be more cold-hearted than any line Frank has said all last season. <laughs> that that I mean, was... That straight up... <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, everyone who's listening. I'm kind of fighting a cold here. But um, that is exactly from from me seeing the whole season. That that just, that just That is setting the stage for Claire coming in full force this season. Robin Wright has a lot more time on screen as claire and it is phenomenal and this is just kicking it off of how she's going to be well and frankly i think we both felt this way a little bit about this storyline last season that it was like a little bit slow and boring we weren't quite sure what um the clean water initiatives goals were what the whole point of it was and i i mean we're still not entirely sure although we know that they have some shady stuff going on with remy's company but we but we do know that all of a sudden, it's like one of the storylines you want to be paying attention to because Claire has made it intense, which is awesome. Right. Right. Of course, so the only other kind of part of that storyline I want to talk about is um, Claire is going back to have her conversations with the in vitro fertilization doctor. Right. Over the course of this episode. And at the beginning, she's she's into it and she's going to do the tests. And at one point, it's almost like she's going to tell Frank and ask him about it. They're in bed that one evening, and then she—you can tell she decides not to. I mean, you get the feeling she that she's down. she does. But at the end, she goes back in and says she's not going to do it anymore. What Wait. did you? Yeah, Go I was ahead. curious about that too because that's the one where she's in the in the car, right? And she takes the phone call, and she—they're calling to confirm the appointment with her, and she just cancels it altogether. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I I was kind of I was kind of confused about that because that had been sort of a plot line that we were I think also kind of not hap- the happiest with like the older woman wants a baby because she never had one, uh, but once it happened I was hoping that was them just kind of addressing that storyline and then killing it. No uh, pun intended there about babies, but like. That that's over. Like it's definitely finally off the table. Yeah, I, I but, think but, that. But there, I didn't know what the yeah, but I didn't know what the pivotal moment that made her decide this was. I wasn't really I, that was a little unclear to me. Well, she let's see. She had the conversation with 
um, with Jillian before, right. or, or no, so she had the conversation with the in vitro doctor before she says that shit to Jillian. But also, mm-hmm. it's before, remember, remember that scene with Claire where she finds out Zoe died on the TV and she doesn't even, her expression doesn't even change even a little bit. She just walks over to the, turns the TV, does she turn the TV yep. off or leave it on? I don't remember. But she walks over to the remember. mirror and just starts brushing her hair, totally impassive. And I think that that was the point where it was like, it was, she was like, Totally stone cold armor on. I'm not gonna have any of that emotional shit anymore. I'm we're good without it. Yeah. We're a power couple, uh, and so that's when she said uh, she didn't need. Like I think you're right. I think it was symbolic of her like shedding that emotional side we saw from last season, and it's like exactly now she's gonna exactly. be pure badass. Right. So I'm really I'm excited to see how that storyline kind of continues to develop too. Uh, before we go into Frank, one more thing I want to talk about is the Stamper Rachel thing we have going on. A few kind of awkward scenes here. Of course, he's trying to get Rachel out of the way so that way Zoe, Lucas, and uh, Janine don't get a hold of her to interview her because they're they, you know they know that she was in the car with Russo when he got pulled over and Francis right right saved him all Rachel, that stuff. Oh, Rachel, right. So, uh, Stamper pulls her from her job at the restaurant, wants her to move back to Baltimore, where she's, like, originally from. She ends up working at this call center and kind of a scene where she tries, like, almost calls her mom at the call center and then hangs up on her. And it seems like that's maybe something she's done a lot of times because, you know, the mother immediately knows it's her when there's no speaking in the line. Um, and Stamper goes back to Rachel's and they kind of, I mean... They get in a, like a, kind of a fight at one point, but then, oh no, sorry, the, is the phone, I've watched like the first two episodes, so the phone thing might oh, be missed. from the next episode. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm jumping ahead, I think, but <clears throat> that doesn't give much away. But the point being that like she gets moved back to Baltimore and they have like a weird thing where, um, Stamper tells, you know, Rachel, I'm the only one that can protect you. It's the is the relationship between Stamper and Rachel is very bizarre to me, and I'm not sure if it's where it's gonna go. Well, here's the question: Is it father daughter? Is it sexual? Is what I want you to. I want to know what you think. Uh, at this point of watching the the season, I definitely was on board with the father daughter. Yeah. Oh well. At at this point, well, I'm gonna. Well, not... like you said, it's a complicated one, and there's shades to it. But for the most part, he is he is her caretaker in a way. He looks out for her. He protects her. You know. It's well, and he treats her like a weird, but he treats her like a child. I mean, he yes, exactly. And she's he... and she's she is at least starting to show she's grown up. She's really adapting to her new scenes or trying to mm-hmm. in the circumstances she's been thrown into. Well, and it seems like she was doing a pretty good job at the restaurant. And... Right. So I know... Zoe's on the trail. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Zoe's always on the trail. (laughs) Um, Excuse me. So anyway. So let's follow Frank from the beginning now. Because there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Everything else that happens in this episode relates in one form or another to Frank. So it's Frank's birthday when all this happens. Which is, I think, an interesting detail to remember. Um, That we we know what his birthday present is that he gives himself, really. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. But uh, they're back at the window, um, but he's not allowed to smoke anymore. He starts smoking e-cigarettes, which I think is kind of a cigarette. Yeah, that was funny. I like that. Well, and it's I think it's so funny to see these little insights into the relationship between Claire and Frank because in some ways they're such a like 
cold couple. And I like I was going to ask you this: Have we ever seen? Have we ever seen Frank and Claire have sex? We've seen Claire and um, the photographer guy have sex, and we've seen Frank have sex with Zoe. Yeah, I don't think we have. We've seen them kiss, but I don't think we've ever seen them have sex. You're right. And I think that's intentional, whether or not they... I mean, maybe they do, but I think that, that there's a reason they don't show us that, and it's because that's not what their relationship is about. It's a, it's a team. Right. It's a partnership. But I think it's still kind of funny when you have these moments of, like, tenderness, where, like, yeah. sh- you know, she keeps the cigarettes away from him. But at the same time, she makes the comment that we can't have a VP who smokes, so it's also all about the political image at the state. Absolutely, you know? yeah. So, so there's layers to it. There's even layers to their, per, you know, husband and wife personal relations. Yeah. Their, their dynamic is so bizarre, but also so intriguing. It is really intriguing. Um, and that was obviously one of the major things we talked about first season, and I'm sure something that will keep coming up this season. Right. So, Wait, you know, I have a question for you. So, yeah. with the relationship and what you've seen in this episode so far, um, I mean, we saw them go through that. Remember when she threw the bill um, last season? Uh-huh. When she got the two uh, the Democrats to not vote for it or not support it? Yeah. And that was when Russo lost the bill, and that was the downward spiral that happened. Do you think that they've overcome that at this point? Well, wasn't that all part of the plan anyway, to make Russo, Russo spiral downward? Well, that, that's the question that we were asking. Like, this is a little convenient, the way this is all happening. You know, how Frank know, anticipates how everyone's going to ever react. But right, but, they, but they, he was pissed at her. At this point, I feel like they've recovered, and I feel like it's because they kind of... Yeah, me too. It, bizarrely, their relationship went... I mean, between, you know, her confronting Zoe and him, and also, right. like, her going and staying with the photographer guy and then coming back to him, it's kind of like they they had their little rocky relationship moments in season one, and it's like, now we're out of that and we're a team till the end. It's how I've, I interpret it right now. Um, it'll be right. interesting to see how that continues. Um yeah. So, you know, at the beginning when Zoe's – it's so interesting, their tra- like the kind of trajectory we have Zoe going at here because she's so, you know, hot on the trail to get – to nail Frank and, like, pin, pin Russo's murder on him that you have – I mean, we have this really awkward sex scene with her and Lucas where she's, like, not paying attention at all and he's just like – Yeah. That was it – made, it made you feel really dirty for watching it. But um, she's so she's like distracted, and she's you know, tracking him down. But then he Frank gives her this offer to you know he's going to be VP. You could be in good graces with the VP, and it seems to almost like erase all these invest. You know, like you said, we like she was tracking down Rachel and all this stuff, mm-hmm. and it seems like it's kind of erasing what happened here. And so it's like. Was she going to take the deal or not, I guess, is the big question. But obviously, well, let's wait till we get to that scene. But it, the whole Zoe dynamic is like, is she so absorbed with her career that her career comes first? Or is she a true, you know, crusader for what is right in the world? You know? So, anyway. Uh, pretty quickly also off here at the beginning we meet... Um, Jackie, who we Jackie. know is going to be a big, a big character, um, and this actress's name, who is Molly Parker, has been in a whole lot of stuff. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the shows I've read she's been in. I'll have to look them up for next episode. But she's she's a big character actress that's done a lot of different things. Um, totally, 
but she's going to be obviously a major player this season. Frank uh, has picked her, so she's we know hand- she's a player. She's handpicked to be the new congressional whip now that he's becoming VP. Right, and only and, and only the only way she's going to become that is through Frank's strategy manipulation. He's building his house of cards again, right? Absolutely. And that moment when he has her like come over and look at his blackmail files is like that's oh, like inviting her to come like help him spin his web, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> which right. I also think and is awesome. And he has a file on her too, yeah, which was tight. I love that. But but that but that file was empty. Remember? He said like I don't have right. any stuff on you. Right. So right. you're clean as a whistle. Or are you? <laughs> or, well, he didn't dig yeah. that deep. He doesn't dig that deep cuz everyone's got skeletons. I think that that was just a matter of manipulating her, but yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh, you're right. Oh, totally. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so an important thing to know, to know about her that, we, I mean, obviously comes up later is that she is a war veteran. Yes. Excuse me. Right. Like a high-ranking one. Right. And so, yeah, she had some, and we'll talk about this, she had some major, and like, she did some major decision-making when it came to the military. Right. So, yeah, I mean, we see, like you said, Frank spinning his house of cards. He's meeting with the president. He's meeting with the, um, she's, you know, uh, Linda, the chief advisor to the president, I guess. Um, he's meeting with all the... The big the big head honchos. To basically help determine who's going to be the next, who's who they're going to pick to be the next whip. And there's two obvious choices. Um, of course, something or other. And, of course, Frank's plan is to have neither of them be the one. His yeah. plan is to have them battle each other, basically, so that he can kind of supplant his choice and have right. her rise above. He so, is so damn charming when he propositions this, uh, <laughs> excuse me, when he proposes this, uh, uh, um, let's let them vote for it. Let the caucus decide. That was a very, it was very smooth, you know, because yeah, it seemed. Yeah, I love, it come, I love the way he does that. Because it comes off as, like, very modest, you know. He doesn't want to be involved in who's picked. He wants, he wants, it's traditional democracy. He wants the people's choice. So he's always manipulating the system. <laughs> always gaming the system. Um, I also want to just But everyone mention, gets on board with it. Yeah. I'm, well, I mean, because he's so smooth about it. He, yeah. what, what could you argue about? About the way he presents, he he right. he presents things in such a way that there's like there's not a counter argument really. Right, and he also presents it in a way that he makes everyone think that that is a good idea, including he's really good at manip- manipulating the president, as we've seen and guessing will continue to see. Well, and I think that that's going to be one of the major contentions is he's good at manipulating the president, but so is Raymond Tusk, right? Absolutely, and so they they each have an ear, and they're going to be pulling the ear each way and. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a big part of what he tries to overcome this season is like making sure that he can out manipulate Tusk. Tusk on the other side, which obviously it's a lot easier to do when you're sitting in the vice president's right. chair, right? And that 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 is a good point to make right now. We've we longed for uh, a serious uh, adversary for Frank all last season. Someone would would be introduced, you know, once or for an episode. They would last for two episodes, and they would disappear. <laughs> the only person who looks like they were worthy of being an adversary uh, to take on Frank in this season so far looks like Zoe's hot on the trail. So Zoe's gonna, you know, Zoe could be the one that takes Frank down finally, or be Raymond Tusk. 
And that's what I was going to say is, do you think that Raymond Tusk is a worthy adversary of Frank from what we've seen? I mean, we see, saw him in a few episodes yeah. last season. It's it's hard to tell at this point, but if anyone's going to be it, it's going to be him. Because there's that, that, there's that friction and that tense, forced friendship because uh, Frank got hooked up with the VP position through Raymond Tusk in a way. Because he's the one who had to sign off on it. Exactly. And I think that Raymond Tusk signed off on it specifically because even though Frank... <laughs> said, you know, I'm not going to do you favors. I think Tusk still felt like if he gave Frank the position, Frank, you know, he understands Frank's language. Frank once seeks power. And then if he can provide Frank power in different forms, he knows how to deal with a person like Frank. And so you're right. It was Tusk is ultimately responsible for Frank getting the job. Mm -hmm. Quick comment on how Frank handles his birthday, which I think is really entertaining. Um, Cards in the garbage. Immediately, the whole yeah, second card. Like, what well, there's money the in there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't give a shit about money. He's got says the money. poor person. <laughs> uh, he, he said cheap gifts to the interns, expensive gifts on the conference table, um, <laughs> and also yeah. an entertaining exchange between Meacham, uh, his bodyguard, and mm-hmm. Stamper that ends up coming back later, in which Stamper says, "You know, Meacham says, what should I get? You know, Frank for his birthday?'" And Stamper says, "We don't do birthday gifts." Um, of course, we learned that Meacham doesn't abide by that anyway. Right. Meacham's so nice. He's such a little puppy dog to them. <laughs> which, I mean, definitely, which is, I mean, why he wants to, um, Get put Meacham. Meacham on his, uh, detail. his secret service detail. Because yeah. not only that, but also Meacham is a person that he can trust. Meacham is right. a person that, well, and is indebted to him. So that way he knows that, like, he can drive in places. He can be a security in situations that are shady that he doesn't want other people talking. That he doesn't right. want people talking about that kind of thing. So Meacham's yeah. safe. He has something on him. Right. Uh, another thing to note that I want to talk about back at the Claire and Frank message. Claire never gets Frank a birthday gift. Why? Which, what does that say about their marriage? Why doesn't Frank like birthdays? I don't know why he doesn't like them, but I think well, he probably thinks it's frivolous and stupid. I think uh, that's an excellent answer, and that's what I would have said too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I and I think she would totally agree. Um, but she does kind of doesn't she get in that cake? She gets him a little cake that he then puts yeah. out the, the candle with his fingers, which is also really yeah. nice. But, that but I mean, that's the it, it, that's the most they do. But you're right; they right. don't celebrate with a lot of pomp and circumstance because they understand that like it's it's fluff. It's nothing. Yeah. They they care about stuff that matters. They give you strength. I'm sure that if it was advantageous for them to throw a huge birthday bash for Frank... Oh, they would they do would it, do absolutely. It. Yeah, yeah, but they wouldn't <laughs> give two dams. So, of course, when Zoe's on the trail, she... Between her and Lucas and Janine, they kind of develop this... They get this information from some contact at Lucas's at the police department that um, Russo was sitting in the passenger seat when he got pulled over, which... right. So was Rachel was driving his car, I believe, if we're remembering back correctly. That would mean Rachel was driving his car when they got pulled over, right? I thought he was driving. No, he was driving, and she was the passenger because he got he was going to get the DUI. Oh no, no, sorry. What am I thinking? No, it's when he died, he was in the passenger seat. Oh yeah, Kevin Sp- or um, Frank was driving. Right. So well, and so that's why they're like, oh well, why was he in the passenger seat and not in the right. driver's seat? Well, yeah. Which of course isn't. I mean, assuming because. The theory, of course, is that he 
committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that doesn't say a whole lot that, like, maybe he just decided to do it from the passenger seat. But, I mean, it's enough that they think they have a lead on something that they want to investigate, which is kind of right. the crux of, you know, Zoe thinking there's foul play and reaching out to um, Frank in the first place. Of course, Frank counters by saying, do you really want to go down this road? He, um, you know, tried to get out of the car <laughs> or something like that. He was like halfway know. out the car. You t- are we talking about when he Frank's talking to Zoe at uh, in the in the subway station? No, this is when they're text messaging, I think, first, before they actually get to the subway station. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I got stuff to say about that, because I've lived in D.C., and I have been to the stations, or the, the underground stations, where they have those roped-off areas, and now I will be scared to death of them. <laughs> yeah, avoid because those. Of, well, Because uh, the sh- vice president might kill me. <laughs> I was going to say, avoid, kill me. avoid lurking politicians in the shadows. Yeah. <laughs> um, but before, before we talk about the subway, which is obviously kind of the climax of this episode i want to talk about a scene that i loved more than that i this was my favorite scene of the episode and oh i'm excited you you don't know what i'm talking about here i'm talking about frank at the barbecue joint when um what's the is it harry what's the um, freddy freddy Freddy. when fred when freddy's talking about frank says this is what is what's different about this this is fantastic and freddy says you know i have a guy who's illegally selling me slow bled pigs and Frank's kind of like, I don't know anything about that. So Freddy tells him that it's basically pigs that are killed and slaughtered super slowly where they're like skinned alive basically and they're like screaming. These pigs scream during it. And like Freddy is so intense telling the story. I'm like when he smacks the table on this story, Frank like jumps back startled. That was yeah. That was well. That was well done. Absolutely. And I mean the sim obviously it's just dip, dripping in, in symbolism in this scene and about like Frank right. We're really pulled into that story, and and yes, the slow the slow blood pig. Now that I having seen the whole season, that's definitely Frank. I mean, that's that's going to be uh, uh, quite the analogy for how he handles things. Well, and I'm not going to ask you for any details, but my question no, here is, and I won't get them. My question is, after watching this scene, is like, is Frank the butcher or is he the pig? And so, I mean, obviously, naturally, we would think Frank was the butcher, but maybe Helgi's going to get into some turmoil, and he's going right. to be the pig more than we realize. So, but Probably. I, I, I mean, the speech Freddie gave there was fantastic. I thought that was awesome. I would, I want to go back and rewatch that specifically. Yeah, that, I remember that. That was really good, and it was, and it, you get so engrossed in the storytelling of it, like why are there soundproof rooms and all? You know, it's like, yeah, why? Oh no, ah, gross. It's gross yeah, and it creepy. Great. It's like it's, a campfire it's story. It is, yeah. Well, and that's and like Frank's engrossed in it to that degree that like, yeah, we don't see we don't see like Frank unhinged like that very often. So you know right. that that story resonated with him to some degree. So, to the subway scene, Zoe meets All Frank right. in the subway. Uh, he's wearing. I, I thought this was funny. He's wearing like a Heisenberg disguise with like the, uh-huh. the hat. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and but this is the first time we've seen Frank dressed in disguise when he's met zoe usually it's out in the open at a public place sitting on benches whatever they'll meet but this is the first time he's wanted a disguise that i can remember yeah. so that maybe was red flag number one even though i right. didn't think of it that way at the time right of and course, it's already tense when you're meeting in a subway seat uh subway area because we all know that people die and that's been in other movies it's not really a trope maybe but it's it, it causes for a <laughs> tense scene 
there's a well, threat. There's stakes. Right. Well, and red flag number two is that they're not talking face to face. You know, he's on one side of the partition and she's on the other. And right. so, he, you know, maybe he's just trying to be more cautious because of, you know, now that he's vice president or about to be confirmed as vice president, he kind of wants to keep a lower profile. And especially considering the circumstances, that's understandable. But they're really discussing um, – he's trying to compel her to give it all up and just be his kind of media contact again. He wants her under his thumb again. And she's right. kind of pressing the whole uh, Russo thing about like why he fell off the wagon, where Rachel is. Um, Who was he with that night? Exactly. So she keeps asking questions. And she eventually – Kind of say, I, I think that she eventually goes too far when she says the line like, I, I just want to know that I wasn't part of someone else's murder. Right. And, and that's like when, you know, even the fact that she was considering that was when Fra- I think, I mean, Frank decided like it was too far. But uh, this is a question I was going to ask you, I guess, is this is something I'm debating in my own head. Was he, was this premeditated? Was he planning to do this the entire time or did it depend how their conversation went? It's like, that is a really good question. And I think... Part of me says it was premeditated, hence the disguise. But also the disguise could be the fact that he's VP now. So he's not just some uh, uh, congress. Well, he's not. he was never just some congressman. He was up there in the ranks. But he's not. Uh, he was in disguise, so that makes me pause a little bit. But also he did make her delete his all his texts and all his contact before this happened. That's true. Remember when she did that? So, you know, there's no trace of their relationship outside of what she's told Lucas and Janine. So part of it could have been, seems like it was premeditated, but the other part of me, when when they're having this conversation, it seems so spur of the moment. Like, I I felt him rolling his eyes at her when he saw her, or when she said, like, I don't want to be a part of someone's murder or whatever. Him realizing that she really is never going to let this die. So he's like, ugh, fine, and just kills her, pushes her. So uh, it's hard to tell. It's really hard to tell. What do you think? I felt as if – I see, and I agree with you. I think that maybe he was trying to see – because, I mean, he's always a person looking to put somebody, like, in a position that he can manipulate them. So if he could get her back into that position for him, that would have been advantageous. So I think that to some degree part of me says that, I, you know, he wanted to see how the conversation went. Right. And – and, you know, he was playing it on the fly. But clearly he knew that was a possibility the whole time. I I mean, otherwise, you know, he hit himself perfectly from the cameras. Um, he right. was behind the partition. He uh, was wearing the disguise and everything. So I think that he, clearly he went into the situation realizing that was a very real possibility. Right. I think you're right. It, it, he, he, he's always uh, open to the possibility. You're right. Yeah. And so... Man, but when it's that happened, because, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, what, what? I was just kidding. But when that happened, even after everything, like even though all the signs were there, it still, like I said at the beginning, was a shock. I did not see that yeah. coming. Yeah, I agree. And I, 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 like I said, I had read that that happens in the other version uh, at the end of the season one, and I, well, I was like, well, it's not going to happen. It won't, it won't happen here. And then when it happens, and you, we see it. We let's talk about it, that we actually see it. Like we see her hit the front of the metro. And bounce underneath the tracks, and that was so graphic. And then we see it also in slow motion. Oh, no, we're coming. Up. <laughs> Never mind. Sorry. Uh oh. Um. Anyway, uh, 
the fact that we see it happen, because even as she was, like, getting sucked under the tracks, I was like, maybe she'll still make it. Maybe she's still alive. And that is the first mother effing time I think I've ever rooted for Zoe, who, for us, in season one, was a quite a problematic character. She was, but I think that we kind of finally were giving her, like... At the end. Kind of in, yeah. We are into her kind of... Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you revival. So that was kind. Of, I mean, right. Go figure. She right when she's together. kind of like finally kind of becoming a force, she gets killed. But that's why she was right. killed. Right. Um, <laughs> I will say after that happened, and she's for sure dead. Um, I was I was really rooting for Janine to step up because I've always liked Janine. I think she's pretty badass. Well, it's, yeah. So so Janine is fleeing, and like immediately after, Janine's fleeing to her mother's house in Ithaca, New York. Um, Lucas she got, is stepping up. She, well, she got those nude photos of Zoe in yeah, her mailbox, that, like as a threat, yeah. which is creepy. Um, and of course, Lucas wants to continue pursuing it. I, I mean, obviously, you know this already, but in my head, I'm thinking at some point Janine is going to come back and be a protagonist in some way because I don't think we're losing that character. That's and what so, I'm thinking too. Or so I, th- I think that she's going to come back and play some sort of role in which she. Um, Maybe gets back involved. Investigative reporter. Well, and I mean that's what she was doing for so long, and maybe she something has to happen that it like inspires her to do that, like they can, some lead or trace or something. But I don't think that's the last we've seen of her by any means. Um. And so, okay, a couple other quick questions for you. Like, uh, let's call them fast questions. First one is: Did Claire know that Frank killed Zoe? Because she sees it on the news that Zoe's dead. Unclear, but uh, just like with Russo, I think she knows to play stupid or she knows not to ask those questions. Just like I think it reminds me of The Sopranos, uh, Carmela would not ask Tony. Um, she, she, she turned her blind eye to certain things because she didn't mm-hmm. want to know and it, it, it would affect her. Do you yeah. think she knew? I think that she I, – I don't know that – I agree with you. I don't know that if it was conveyed directly to her by Frank – but I think that she knows in her heart that he was somehow responsible for it. Right. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Interesting yeah. point to make, though, that these two murders we saw Frank, I mean, commit, he was the one to do them himself, not have someone else do them. I mean, he That's didn't true. trust... he did it. He didn't trust anybody to do the dirty work for him at that point. And I think that says something about, like, not even having, you know, having Stamper do it. Is it an interesting... I don't know if Stamper would... I don't know anyone either. Maybe that's part of the problem is that like he he doesn't trust anybody to be as cold. I mean, right? I'll, I think frankly, people... I, I I think Claire's getting there. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, would I, I wouldn't be surprised if Claire pushed uh, Jillian off a train track now. But uh, damn. Uh, she said she would see the baby shrivel and die inside of her. I don't think she's caring too much. What were you gonna say? Nothing. Don't want to give stuff away. <laughs> Whatever. So anyway. <laughs> um, Any other questions? So, well, I want to talk about the very end. Um, when and Frank goes back to Jackie, who, you know, who's going to, he's training to be the new whip. And he says that the reason he chose her, because she's like, why did you choose me? What, why me? And he says, it's because you carried out drone strikes knowing that innocent people would die. Um, when you worked for the military, but it, it, you you knew it's the thing that needed to be done, and he the word he the words he used were ruthless pragmatist, which I thought was a really interesting way to put it. But like, 
frankly, I mean, frankly, no pun intended, I don't see her at this point being as cold as he is, as Frank is. It's hard um, to tell. It's early. I mean, it is early. But he seems she to seems see cool. something. He seems to see something inside of her because of those actions that he thinks that she <laughs> thinks the same way he does. Because I think he would certainly consider himself a ruthless pragmatist and consider Claire a ruthless pragmatist. So she is from the same school of thought, basically. All right. Very last scene, of course, we have in this episode is Frank showing Claire the cufflinks that meet him bottom. Uh, and then he does his little, also, I love that we get it, his little soliloquy again. And he's like, you thought I forgot about talking yeah, to you. Yeah, that was tight. Kittens grow up to be cats and then you have to strangle them. I mean, that was, I, I think it's funny that you enjoy that now because you hated it so much in season right. one. I did. I was so against it. And now I think I'm just, you know, uh, I've been acclimated to it. Well, I, I mean. I'm, it's, well, I expect well, it. What award show did Kevin Spacey do that on last year? That was, it was so awesome. Do you remember that? No, I don't. There was a there was some like I think it was the Golden Globes or something where it's like they cut away to him in the audience and he's like in the aisle chair and he like turns and does oh, like a, awesome. a monologue to the camera and it was badass. Yeah, but it's it's so distinctive to this show because no other show does that I, that I can think of since Saved by the Bell, <laughs> which obviously they're sister shows in you know, <laughs> theme. You know what I yeah, and we obviously so once he does that and this isn't a spoiler at all but like he'll continue to do that through the rest of the season but one of my favorite things he does is no you know what let's save it for another episode when he actually does it i'll bring it up then okay well the last thing i want to say is obviously catholics say f you which is like i love that Underwood. but it's also it's like it's kind of cheesy but it's also awesome <laughs> like it's yeah exactly and i'm like the, ugh, but i i, I mean, it up and that's why i want to like i feel like this so many parts of this episode where like you know a more appropriate it would like almost the season finale of season one because it's like zoe's dead janine's fleeing lucas is on the outs um you know frank's What's about to be happen? confirmed claire excuse me claire's like in slaughter mode yeah. um everyone's like, yeah in his pocket this new person's coming up yeah I mean, I thought it was a great episode, and I'm not, I'm not yeah. going to ask you any predictions because obviously you know what's going to happen, right? Um, but I will ask you. Quickly. I'm interested to see. Well, okay, I'm interested to see the development of Jackie because I think that he's going to try to push her to be as cold-hearted as he is. But I think that she has more of a heart than he potentially realizes. Yes, I think I okay. think that I think that Claire is going to continue to suffocate Jillian until she goes away is a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Janine is going to be gone for a while and come back. And I think that Lucas is going to continue to pursue some. I mean, he's going to be distraught about it and try to put things right. together, like figuring out what happened to Zoe. I don't think he'll believe that she committed suicide or tripped or whatever. I think that he's going to like try to investigate shit down to the wire. So anyway, I thought this is an awesome, awesome first episode to start the season. I was thrilled with it. What do, what do we it? give? Uh, do we do? What do we do? Stars? I don't remember how we rate episodes um, here. We'll say uh, Zoe bodies. Sl- <laughs> oh no! Uh, slow blood pigs. Um, oh, there you I'm, go. I'm going to go ahead and give us a 4.5 out of five slow blood. Whoa! <laughs> I, I thought it was awesome, man. I I was I am into it. This and show I'm usually is the back. one that gives it. Wow. I loved it. I thought it was an awesome episode. What do you give it? I, I give it 4.5 as well. I loved it. 
Uh, but I always feel like I'm the one that gives it a, a buttload of stars or, or pigs. But, yeah, awesome. Cool. Yeah, this is a great episode to kick it off. Holy crap. I mean, if you looked anywhere online, everyone was talking about it. It was, it was amazing. It was Including awesome. Including on our Facebook page. Exactly. And I'm excited to continue the conversation. Um, all right, everybody. So, you know, what are your thoughts, questions, comments? Leave them on uh, facebook.com slash this house of cards podcast. And once again, please rate us, review us on iTunes. Let's keep this going so we can get a uh, bigger audience going and we can make the conversation even more widespread than it is because this is an awesome show and it uh, deserves it. So, anyway, um, where can people find more of your stuff, uh, my friend Chris? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Chris Husted. Chris with a K, K R I S H U S T E D. What about you, Tyler? I'm on Twitter and Instagram as well, at TJMoss11. Uh, and before we sign off real quick, uh, you and I haven't discussed exactly how we're going to roll out episodes, but it's definitely going to be faster than the last season. We're not going to do yeah. just one a week. Um, we're definitely going to be doing multiple episodes a week. Uh, I'm not sure whether this week we'll do two, we'll do three, but we'll be having more come out faster. Right. So just keep, yeah, I uh, think it'll be at least two a week. At least at, two a week. At least two weeks. So keep your kind of yeah. eyes and ears open for episodes. And, of course, we'll always be posting on our uh, Facebook every time a new one comes out, so that way you all know. Welcome anyway, back, everyone. Woo! Welcome back, everybody. Good night, America. Good night. I don't want to be your friend. I just want to be your love.